Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Thanks be to God. Morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we're going to continue in this uh, mini-series <clears throat> through the book of Jonah. Today, we will explore the second of four messages from Jonah. And last week, we read and heard from chapter 1 how God tells Jonah to go to a foreign country, Nineveh, to preach to it, and Jonah doesn't want to go. And gets on a ship going the other way. <clears throat> and the Bible tells us um, that God sends a storm. And the sailors on that ship figure out it's Jonah who is causing God to be mad at them and their ship. And they reluctantly, though by Jonah's direction, throw him into the sea and the storm stops. We learned last week that God definitely uses broken people in broken situations. We also learned that his plans are not lost and that God does not lose or leave us even when we leave and find ourselves lost. Today we pick up where we left off after Jonah's thrown into the sea. The Bible tells us, and you don't have this in your reading um, in the scripture in your bulletin, but it's supposed to start at verse 17 in chapter 1. That was my mistake for not getting it there in time. We're giving them the wrong verses. But what we see, we pick up right after Jonah's thrown in the sea, and the Bible tells us that God sent a fish to swallow Jonah up. And in the belly of that fish, Jonah prays, and he goes through what I describe as the beauty of God's process. The beauty of God's process. A process to make him not only usable and flexible for God's call on his life, but able to receive the truth of God's love for himself and for the people and world that God sent him. Three things for us to see and understand about the beauty of God's process for ourselves from this passage. First, we must recognize that those who are in God's process have first been floored by sin. Floored by 
sin. Secondly, they have been salvaged by God. And finally, refined by his grace. Floored by sin, salvaged by God, and refined by grace. Where Jonah finds himself in the belly of a big fish, having at one time, y'all, been in the court of the king, a prophet with a respected heritage, that it was a result of sin. And when I say sin, I'm talking about two halves of it, two parts of sin. The stuff that happens to us and what we have little choice to live in and breathe in because we live in what we describe as a sinful, fallen world, right? A sinful, fallen, conditioned world around us. And then secondly, sin as in the mistakes and tragically bad decisions we make contrary to God's call and direction on our lives. And Jonah describes in this prayer, in chapter 2, right? Uh, 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 Being and living in a sinful, fallen world. In verse 2, he describes it as being and living under distress. A living hell in the the word shield as as he describes a place separated from God's mercy. Being in a place of God's wrath and judgment for sin. And then in verse 3, he describes living in the deep, which is a perfect description of the the many levels of mess in this world. A perfect description of of it. And and in verse 4, he says that sin is being away from the sight of God. And this is more, let me explain, about Jonah being in and going to a place where it's difficult for him to see God and is right for them and not about God leaving them. And then in verse 6, he talks about being in sin in a fallen world, being like bars, like, like being in bondage and trapped in things and behaviors and, and all kinds of sicknesses and illnesses and, and global mess ups. And then he describes sin as worshiping idols in verse 8, meaning following and trusting in things that are, aren't to be followed and trusted. Systems and institutions and people and other gods in our way of doing things. And Jonah was being sent to, in his day, the very epicenter of such things. God was sending him to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and and its terrible national record of of, of denying people human rights, of being warmongers, and and just playing evil, stuff beyond Jonah's control, but affecting him, war and lack of diplomacy and, and bad history and poor international relations and poor leadership and poor in poor institutional setup, institutional racism, and all the stuff that goes along with living in a broken place, in a broken country, and all these things. This is the world and broken and messed up circumstances that Jonah had to deal with and face. But Jonah's problems were not just external, right? He had a lot of broken stuff on the inside. Though the world was tough for him, And for us, Jonah didn't respond well. He admits he sinned personally by running from God who tells him to go right there to the bad place, to live out his truth in the bad place, to the bad people. But instead, he distances himself from God. And how does he qualify the distress he mentions in verse 2? Look at what it says here. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. The qualifiers are important. 
and God's process in our lives. Jonah is saying, it's my mess. I am the sinner. I am the one who lives in a fallen world. I have contributed and participated and responded wrongfully in running away from God and his life for his, in his will for my life in this world. He is brought low, if you will, by his sinful brokenness inside and out. If you couldn't figure it out, our picture today is a painting. Nice, ain't it? Don't y'all want that in your house? A beautiful watercolor of imitation crab meat. What? <laughs> Y'all couldn't tell. So pretty. A beautiful picture, though, of the results of sin, right? The Japanese call imitation crab meat processed seafood surimi, right? If I said, one of y'all fancy people know how to say it right. Is surimi? Derek's saying yes. He don't know. I'm from, I'm from South Carolina. You from West Virginia. We don't know. They just got sushi a couple years ago. My people too. I didn't grow up with sushi. We fried all our seafood. Or boiled it in a big pot out back, right? That's all right though. But surimi, right? Which roughly interpreted means floor meat. Y'all don't want to eat that no more. <laughs> Talk about y'all had a seafood salad. Nah, y'all ain't had no seafood salad. Y'all had a serene salad. Y'all had a floor meat sandwich, salad, right? The stuff that has been discarded and floored literally as they cut the bad stuff away from the good parts of the fish. It is the separated stuff, the rejected stuff, the not good stuff, the distasteful and cartilage and bony stuff and the stuff that you don't get when you order, you know, you pay the extra two or three dollars per pound for the filet, right? And it doesn't fit with the right stuff. It is the stuff not in line with the center cut, the center truth, out of accord, not working well with the purpose of, purposes of the chef stuff. And it is, as Jonah describes himself, cast away, driven away, put in a position because of its useful, uselessness and bad texture and hard to use. Man, it sounds just like Jonah in toughness to the main goal, to be discarded, judged, put in fish shield, if you will. It is safe to say Jonah, like us, is floored by sin. Set out put out, pulled apart, separated from God, separated from God's good, and left feeling the weight of his and this world's brokenness. And our sin, the world's sinfulness and brokenness, it separates us, y'all. It cuts us out. It cuts into us from the love and grace of God. It pulls us away from true humanity, right? It floors us. But the Bible in Jonah's story tells us that those in God's process who are floored by sin, guess what? Are also salvaged by God. Now, again, you don't have this verse, but verse 17, I think we have it on the overhead. Verse 17 says this. So Jonah gets thrown out the ship. Into the water, because he's going to make everybody else die if he don't go, right? Sorry, bro, you got to go, right? We ain't drowning for you. The Bible says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow out Jonah, up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 
I read chapter 2, and I am torn a bit as to whether Jonah in this prayer is describing the experience in the fish or before the fish. Is he praying in the fish about what he experienced before the fish actually ate him? I had to catch myself because, you know, y'all, you know how you get things in your mind and you can't stop thinking about it? Like when you think, okay, what does hell look like? And I always go back to like the, um, the, the Warner Brothers vision with Satan sitting on the throne. And anyway, that, that's, not, that's a different sermon. But anyway, so, but when I think about Jonah, I think about a whale. Don't you? Like Jonah and the whale. We just assume, right? But another thing I assume. See, I grew up when you got the, the, the when you were learning to read when you were a kid. You, anybody old enough where you got the book that came with the 45? And you had to put the little disc in the middle to fit on the record player? A record player. Okay. Target is starting to sell it. Vinyl. My son's like, Dad, can we get some vinyl? What do you mean? A record? No, vinyl, Dad. Vinyl. All right, it's called vinyl these days. But a little 45, little mini vinyl, okay? And, and you had to put a little disc in the middle for it to fit on the record player. And I had the Pinocchio one. Anybody else had that Pinocchio one? And you used to fake yourself into thinking you knew how to read. And I would go to everybody, you know. I was a little prince of the family. Grandmama, let me read to you about Pinocchio. Go on, baby. She wasn't listening, but she was loving me. I'm telling the whole family, you can read, boy. You couldn't read. You're ready for school. You know how to you fake yourself out. But in that book, they had a picture of Pinocchio inside a giant well, right? Sitting on a chair with a candle and a book. And so I'm thinking Jonah was sitting in the well, you know, chilling, right? Ottoman, everything, just chilling. Ottoman made out of some kind of shell or something. I don't know. No, this was experience of Jonah was more like Disney's. Is it Disney, Dory, and Nemo? Remember? Pixar. Thank you. I get them confused. There's a lot of money there in that confusion. But anyway. So, but remember Dory and Nemo's dad got in the whale? Who was in the whale? I'm sorry. Nemo's dad. They found Dory's daddy later. Okay, Dory and Nemo's, Nemo's dad. Y'all, y'all too picky. Y'all never correct me anything about the word of God, but you know your Pixar movies. Right? That ain't right. That's Nemo. Whenever I bring up Greek and Hebrew, that's not the right Greek. Y'all don't know. Come on. I don't feel bad about that. But I remember in the movie, it was flat and compressed, right? If you think about it, what Jonah is describing is flat, compressed, compressed, and smashed together with water and stomach contents. Right? If you look, if you look at the stomach of a whale, you ain't chilling in there. You're not going to the back of the whale. You know? Stop this, you know, Mario, like you told me. It ain't like this New York apartment, you know, 200 square feet, right? Like, yeah, okay, bedroom, living room, right? It's not like that. He didn't have no Ikea set up in there. It was flat. That's why he describes it as being, oh, this don't feel good, right? But here's the point. When Jonah was thrown into the sea, he was drowning, y'all. I believe he is rehashing inside the well. Uh, but there we go. Inside the big fish, right? The experience of drowning before getting swallowed up. 
he talks about going to the bottom of the ocean. That's the description there. He says the way, he talks about the waves and the bills and talk about experience going to the ocean floor. And I believe that sometime afterwards, the fish came and saved him and he was in there three days. But being inside the belly of a fish, as I described, not the Pinocchio vision, was not much different because he went from drowning to being digested. Right? And it was in the belly that he realized, wait, I am breathing in here. What? I'm almost drowned. But God has scraped me up off the floor of the ocean and into the belly of a big fish. In fact, the Bible says that what in verse one in verse 17 up here, God appointed that fish. Right. That fish was born for this moment, y'all. I remember seeing a movie about the fish. Right? Where the fish grew up as a little... Y'all may not have seen it. It might have been one of them real corny Bible cartoons. Where the fish grew up, just a little baby fish. And then the fish that nobody liked the fish, rejected the fish, bullied the fish. Like, no one cares about the fish. And then one day the fish eats Jonah. The fish had a purpose. What? Okay. Maybe that was your sermon. I'm like that fish. Right? I didn't know what I was made for until the very end. Okay. It's so... God used that fish, right? It was more obedient than Jonah, right? The fish, listen, right? And, and the point is this, God used a fish to scrape Jonah up, floored and drowned and bottomed out by sin from a hopeless and sinful place to salvage him for Jonah's good and God's glory. Ain't that good news? Because of where we find ourselves, Look at what verse 6 says. Oh, it's one of my favorite verses. It says this. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land where bars closed upon me forever. Homeboy thought he was going to drown. You ever been to the bottom of a lake, a stream? It's kind of muddy down there. I like to stick to the pool. <laughs> at least I can see a little bit, right? But he's down there. You brought, my, brought up my life from what? The pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Some really brilliant Japanese fish butcher, right? He looked at that floored fish meat and thought, that can be salvaged, right? And made good for my purposes and glory and good and maybe beautiful for others. Maybe somebody will do a watercolor about it one day. I will take it and use it and work with it and redeem it. Though it is the hardest, most rejected and destroyed stuff. Nobody wants to work with bones and cartilage and fish skin. Even though I like that part when it's crunchy. Y'all know the history of malt liquor? I'm only saying this because I went to seminary in St. Louis where it's home of Anheuser-Busch and you go on that tour. I had to as part of seminary class. And at the end, you tasted different stuff. I, I didn't. You lie. Yes, I did. <laughs> and so you tasted different beers, and they're like, they show you the refining process, right? And they talk about the stuff and the whole thing. And then they're like, that stuff at the bottom that's left over, that's malt liquor. And I was like, dang, they've been tricking my people for years. We've been lying to ourselves, baby. We're going to have a good time. I'm going to get a 40. No, you're you getting the least common denominator. And they told us the history that they would boil all the good beer and then this stuff at the bottom, they would actually throw it away. But a brother thought. 
and let me make this clear. I know it seems like it's primarily in the black community, but if you go to that part of St. Louis, historically realize a brother is not only black, a brother is Irish. Okay, not German, Irish back there, right? So the Anheuser-Busch folk, German descent, right? The people who cleaned up and worked the factory, Irish descent. All right, let's get our stuff straight. The Irish Negroes and the black Negroes together. And I cleaned that up a little bit. Right? Together. And they were like, look at this, what's left? Not Irish. They grew up. They started drinking O'Doul's, whatever it is. But we stuck. We stuck. Our people, and they used to do it for free. Put it in the big hooch jug. You know what I'm saying? Hey, y'all, we going to party tonight because it's free. And then Anheuser-Busch was like, hold on. Hold on. Let's put that in a bottle. We're going to at least make, I remember how much it costs, $1.41, $4.40. Right? Malt liquor is the floored meat of beer for you beer connoisseurs, right? Can you go to one of these breweries out here, these homebrew and get malt liquor? I don't know. I've never had it. Right? Church people are the floor meat and malt liquor of the world. Right? Th that'll sell. Don't put that on Twitter, please. <laughs> but understand what's happening here. God takes what even he despises from his holy place and purposes. And he salvages lives like yours and mine from all, of, all kind of ways we have been messed over. Some of you and mistreated and rejected and thrown out and cut out and cut off and hurt. And in ways we have distance ourselves. And, and he finds us and he sends the circumstances unbeknown to us sometimes to get us, to gather us and, and bring us to a place where our hearts and lives can be processed and brought to him. The situations that led any of you who are believers and who will be believers. I believe a lot of you will be in here. We're appointed by God to bring you from separation and judgment. Maybe a church you went to, a friend invited you, a parent, a Bible verse shared on the beach or in a dorm room. I don't know. In the circumstances, we're all like this fish, engineered and appointed by God too, right? In fact, the Bible says Jonah said that the, that the distress was his, but the waves and bills and fish were whose? God. God salvages our lives with sometimes vexing, y'all, and bending in hard situations that he appointed. Sometimes it ain't comfortable where he puts you and how he salvages you, but that he appointed to scrape us into his hand and into his process of grace. Salving us, salvaging us, not only from a place of rejection, but what I noticed here, a place of regret. Jonah was a pretty rigid and arrogant and strong-willed dude. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it, and he wasn't afraid to tell God. And then say he's going to run from the presence of God. Now, that's a pretty strong-willed guy. That's a pretty fast guy, too. Right? I'm going to run from God. And in that sea, because that's where his behind ended up, in the sea, right? And in that fish, God broke him down. The process. He broke his will, if you will, and outspilled deep regret and resignation. John, I mean, Jonah said in verse 2, 
I am in distress. You know what he's saying? I'm going to die. I'm going to hell, y'all. I'm experiencing hell. And in verse 5 and 6 again, he says this. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. When the weeds wrapped around your head, you're almost done, right? At the roots of the mountains. I mean, you ain't getting out. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me. How does he describe it? Forever. I was in danger of eternal death. But yet you brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Y'all know what pit means? It's a big hole he used to throw people in. Yeah. And you would starve in there. Better than starving, maybe an animal come and eat you before you starve to death, right? I think I would rather like a tiger jump in and eat. You wouldn't? Okay. But you could win and you could cook the tiger and live. <laughs> or you could have sushi tiger, right? Tiger sushi. Something. What's it called? There's another name for red meat when you don't cook it. What's that thing called? Capacci? Tartar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have that every Thanksgiving. Just kidding. Oh. Right? And so, but you get it. I'm off. And so, you, so deep, it means you can't climb out. It is being left to be eaten or starved. Back in the day, again, if you fell in a pit, no one was around out in the woods somewhere, out in the desert, couldn't use your cell phone, didn't have no GPS. That was it. Regret is that old crap move, moment, right? When your pride and arrogance and anger and control is overtaken by just how bad things are. For many of us, it, it is and was the doorway and gateway to what Christians call repentance. Some call regret godly sorrow. Where you're like, ouch, this hurts for real and nothing's going to take this pain away. We feel regret, not always when the most, now hear me, because this is so important to hear, because of the, pro, the process, the progress towards repentance, right? We feel regret, not always when the most important things or things that should be important to us, like love and relationship and being right with God or loss or hurt us, right? But like Jonah, when the visceral, painful, uncomfortable, suffering things happen. Our first vows of membership, if you join this church, some of y'all are interested, let us know. Sign up over there. That was a free commercial. But it, for two, two vows. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure? And hear this part. And without hope, save in his sovereign mercy. We say that, blah, 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 and we don't think about it, right? Do you, second one, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Savior sinners, and do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Jonah basically says the same thing in verse 9 when he says salvation belongs to God. Think about what we say about hope, save, and then rest upon alone for salvation as in help. Lasting only and lasting hope. Nothing else materially, spiritually, and emotionally. Nothing to hang on to or turn to. So, so not only do we say save, but save only. God is keeping his side of the vow in this story of Jonah to help us know what it is to be saved only through him. Okay, this one, it gets hard. Ain't no prosperity gospel here. I'm sorry, y'all. This is the process gospel. 
And I hate saying things like this because I don't want to be the one. I almost didn't write this because I'm like, I don't want to put this on me. In Charleston, we call that bad mouth. I don't want to put bad mouth on me. Well, bad mouth on you either, right? But it ain't bad mouth. It's the word of God. So here it goes. I tried to run from this. But many of us, myself included, have yet to hit the bottom. Like Jonah did. Hitting the bottom is being brought to the floor of your regret by God himself. Remember, it's his waves, his, his ocean. Two depths that only he knows. You don't even know. And soon you will know only through him to a place where you will know God himself and that God alone could have brought you there to see this side of yourself, to see this side of your life without him and unable. Hear me, this is hard for us Americans here because we can always buy, fabricate, tweet, text our way out of it or go to another church and escape the hard lessons of what it means to live in a fallen world. Oh, there are 3,000 churches you can go to in North Carolina. And so many of them say, it's your destiny. You can create your world. Like, you don't have to suffer. That the gospel is all about getting out of suffering. And it isn't. It's about being in God's process. And, and skipping that is going is to hurt worse later. Right? Well, maybe not you, but it will definitely not be pleasing to God. Come into a place where you're unable to hide and fabricate and get away. So that you and I can finally be refined by God's grace. And refining grace comes through remembering and repenting. Remembering. I was reading about how imitation crab meat is made. Because I'm a nerd like that. Just wanted to know. I was reading deep too, y'all. Start thinking, maybe I could do my own imitation crab meat, but I can't. <laughs> you know, I'm raising some fish in a tank. Maybe we can, no. <laughs> Gotta make some money instead of putting money out. But I was reading about how imitation crab meat and processed fish, hear me now, I'm just going to describe it a different kind of way. Processed fish has to actually be told and basically assigned and reminded what it should taste like. Right? They take additives, stuff called essence of fish. As if in its rejection and being floored and separated, it's lost its fishiness. After being separated and broken from the whole, the main thing, it's like they take this injector in this thing of processed meat. I know it sounds exciting. And they say, we want this to taste like crab or fish. So let's take essence of fish and put it in. And it's like, imitation crab meat, you now taste like crab, right? Hey, you used to be like the fin of another fish. You now taste like crab, right? God reminds us of our place and his place in our lives through calling us to remembrance those separated from his grace look at verse 7 through 9 with me when my life was fainting away he says i remembered the lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple 
Before he was just looking towards the holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. What may not immediately be apparent or known to some of you is that this prayer of Jonah's from the belly of the fish that we see here in chapter 2 is not completely original. This is not Jonah's own thing, right? <laughs> this is a composite, some of it. Jonah's taken pieces of this prayer from the book, the prayer book of the Israelites. He's taken words from the Psalms. It would have been stuff he heard as a child in Sunday school and church. And he remembered what God had said. God refines us when we are stuck in regret and sin through remembrance. The lessons we learned and heard when things were above water, right? When we weren't in a bad spot, when things weren't as hard and we took this stuff in and God put them in our heart and minds to remember to come back up in our regret and brokenness and hard situations. And it's an encouragement to some of us parents telling your hard-headed kids about Jesus, right? You told them. Where they at? Not in church. Why? I don't know. But you, the remembrance of the Lord is in them. That's what covenant children means. And it's not just some kind of cognitive things. There is a real something that this word remember and remembrance, it has a place in the life of those who've heard the word of God. And God uses remembrance in times of our regret and brokenness. It's like it comes and visits us. Right? The importance of, of storing up the scripture. is sometimes you hear in the word of God read, blah, blah, I'm tired of this. And you know, you know, in the mornings, I do the word of God with my boys, the little app, the verse of the day, you read that. And, okay, dad. Right? And they're going to be like, okay, dad. And then one day they're going to be in trouble and they're going to be like, I remember. I need this because I ain't got nothing else. Some of y'all Right? I know y'all having a hard time staying awake on my long sermons. But maybe it gets in this sublimity. Right? Not because I'm so good. Right? But because God's so good. See, remembrance. That Hebrew word, zakar. Remember. It is, it is God that belongs to him. And he allows us to enjoy. That's why the scripture is nothing to play with. You know, people are like, hey, I'll go to church. I'll try it out. You're playing with fire. Right? This ain't no joke. The, the word of God, the Bible says, is living and it's active, right? And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's like a, 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 some kind of barb that gets caught in your heart, in your mind. And when you listen to it, even when you listen to the really crazy, heretical pastors sometimes. Now, the lesson of how they put, I see them guys, they be putting the word of God like a quilt, right? I'll take this verse and that verse. Isn't it beautiful? No, it's heresy, right? But... Even, even the little pieces of the quilt, they get caught and in right callback by the Holy Spirit. When you're in hard times, you're like, there might be a God. Where'd you get that? Some of you are completely imitation. You're not a believer. You didn't grow up a believer. And when you hear God's truth, but hear this, let me tell you how good God is. When you hear God's truth and experience God's power, even for the first time, you know what the Bible says when it talks about it in Ephesians, that, that this word, this ministry is built upon the prophets and the apostles and the people who've gone before. It means this. When you hear God's truth 
right? What's that thing? Um, y'all, I'm, I'm coming up with illustrations in my head right now, and, and sometimes that's dangerous. But, like, what's that thing called? What's a starter? Like the bread thing, right? Will you? The bread, the yeast, right? I went to this place. They're like, we got yeast from Italy. I'm like, how y'all got yeast from this? This yeast is 500 years old. Y'all ever been, you ever seen that? And they talk about that's how they got their bread as a starter from another. Okay. It's like, that's what the word of God is like for those who've never heard it. Right? What am I saying? God gives you, when you first heard hear the word of God, this is incredible, y'all. The remembrance and heritage of tens and th- ten thousands of years of his words and grace found in these books in all the years of church history and a multitude of lives and testimonies in a church like this of people who have known and remember the Lord from their stuff he has brought them through. Get this, their, ours, the church's memory of God's word and grace is for those who come to him hearing and listening and receiving and longing. Crazy enough, you remember by knowing and becoming a Acquainted and injected with original truths and stories tens of thousands of years older than you. It now lives in you that rich and that deep. The starter. Phew, like I, that's the first time I really heard the gospel, Pastor Brad. That gospel you hear is tens of thousands of years in the making. And now it just became yours. You are remembering the memories. Like I, I noticed some kind of ancestry thing here, but that's not what I'm going for. But you are living in the biblical memories like Jonah did in calling up David who went through all kinds of stuff. If you look at David's story, and he wrote the Psalms and now Jonah takes David's experience written in the word of God and it becomes what he remembers in his heart. Look, you just need somebody. Why we do testimonies at Christ Central? Because there is gold there. There is remembrance, right? There are, th- there are things you need to call back on when you go through hard times, y'all. Look, look at Tamika back there holding her hand up. Look at Terrence back there. Two people in our church who've been through some sufferings, who couldn't even come to church, couldn't even get out of bed in there three weeks, right? Four weeks, two months. And going in there, I'm like, can you come and pray for us, Pastor? I'm just going in there praying. And I'm reading scriptures that right now in my life, I ain't even reading. Right? I'm reading about God delivering and healing people. And right now, you know, I'm not suffering from cancer or whatever. And I'm, I'm reading these stories, right? And when my time comes, and it will in some way, the remembrance not only of what I read, but the testimony of God healed them. Right? We are rescued out of our regret into God's process. But it wasn't Jonah's cognitive remembrance that carries him through to being restored. He, by God's grace, and we'll talk about more of that right standing and him being restored next week. He was communicating with God. He went from praying to preaching. He went from praying for help to praising God. Still in the belly of the fish. Now, I don't do many prayers like that. I know some of y'all don't either. When y'all going through trouble, y'all don't be praising God. Right? It's hard. Let me tell you what happens. He went from regret 
to repentance. Repentance is our last point here. So hang in here, please. You got to get this. Repentance is like when the regrets of God, regrets, through regrets, God has called us to feel. Mixed with the remembrance of truth of God's voice and message and ministry is, and it, it creates an etern, internal change and turn with us where our regrets become, hear this, become more than personal discomfort and hope for our relief. But feeling what and how God feels about our sin, regret, and distress, that's a powerful process. God takes us from regret to remembrance and then to repentance in his refining process. Jonah goes from expressing his sin and pain to preaching about God's goodness in the process of three days. And this prayer becomes less again about his discomfort and regrets and how hard things are in him and the world and more about what his discomfort means in his alienation from God. His prayer is less even about him being delivered out of this fish. Y'all notice he never asked to be freed from the fish? Though he is honest that he doesn't like the feel of it. Many of us get stuck there. I just want to, I, I, I just, I just want to be rich. I, I, I just want to have more money. I, I just want a good job. I just want to get over this. I just want to get through this. I, I, I just want to no longer sin in this way. I want to be good. Don't you know there's another part to the process that is the glorious gospel for you? Which is you being less concerned about getting out. But, but, but his major concern now is that he and God are right. And that he can still have access to the Father. That God is praised, that he can participate in fulfilling life, fulfilling life with God as his Savior and Lord, and less about things working out in the world and in the suffering. He wants his suffering and regrets to mean and produce something eternal and relational and praiseworthy between him and God. His response of repentance values the relationship with God first as the primary response and hope for what he's feeling and suffering second. Makes me think of the profound words of the soul saying at Luther, Luther Ingram, right? If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Y'all know it. <laughs> Jonah's repentance transformation makes him basically, basically declare, if the love for you and you for me is wrong, not where it should be, I don't care to be right. I don't care about my suffering and pain and fears above and before that because if I suffer and I have pains and I have fears and I have regrets without you, Lord, and me being right, it means nothing. While regret might be feeling bad for what you now know and feel and experience and discomfort and not right in you in the world, repentance is feeling, hear this, like you will explode with emotional and spiritual fullness from the inside out to be what and where God is and wants. Not because you are in touch with what you feel, but you are moved and praying out of a heart and drive of God himself, the heart of God himself, palpitating at an unbearable pace in your human chest, like if the 
intensity of what is wrong doesn't resolve, you will die. Repentance is being bothered and troubled by the emotion and knowing the pain, y'all, of God's unrequited, unfinished love for you, others, and you for him. It's not punishment. Repentance is God exposing you to how he feels more than what you feel. It's exposing you to how much he loves you. Man, it don't happen often. But I will urge you, there there have been times I walked into that kind of like, and and I describe it as kind of being dragged into the grinder of repentance, right? Where God kind of pulls your life in after feeling a lot of regret and you come up against that grind and, and all of a sudden through remembrance and the word of God, you feel what God is feeling in your chest? Man, you just want to say, praise God. You're incredible. You're holy. I'm not. I love you. I want people to know. That's the process of repentance. Yet in this country, we've made repentance about getting right so things aren't still wrong with us. Finish the process. The beauty of processed fish is that it is rejected, unwanted, not so tasty or ugly, but it becomes usable, worthy in the plans and the work of a master chef, and usable and viable and has a place in a world with the right hands and places because it is, remember, injected and mixed with the essence of something else. That something else is Christ. God has caused him to give himself over to the human experience. To get in the floor with us. When God salvages us, he salvages us with the work of Christ mixed in. And as we go through the process of regret and repentance, out comes a refined person. Refined by grace, still with a history of mess, still waiting for the full transformation. But like this watercolor, beautiful for the purposes of God. You can't go to any sushi restaurant and not see imitation crab meat. You ever notice that? And I tried to find some high places where I can only uh, afford one piece just to be in there. Do, do music going, kind of real cool. You go in there. What you want? Just one. And I sit there and I just savor it. And I look around, imitation crab meat still there. In God's process, you are indispensable for his glory. You are central to what he's doing. Because he alone has saved you from rejection. He has called you out beyond regret into repentance and you've been refined by his grace. And next week we'll talk about what that looks like being restored. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, help us. Many of us are just sorry. And in pain, and we know, Lord, much of that pain you've allowed to be afflicted on us because we're in your process. Whether it's dealing with kids, whether it's a marriage that's having a hard time, whether it's friendships, whether it's boyfriends, whether it's girlfriends, whether it's grades. Lord, help us to know Christ in that process, in our suffering, in the way sin has put us in a sinful world, all the stuff we've been mistreated and mishandled. And do a work in us. Some of us have been in the belly of that fish, feels like all our lives. You're just not finished yet, Lord. Help us to go to places where we can share in the remembrance of God's truth. Where we can properly and redemptively um, plagiarize, if you will, the truths of God from other people's lives. Let their words, let their testimonies become our own. Let it be a gift to people. And for those of us who don't know you, help us experience the glory of tens of thousands of years of you at work through the word of God. Thank you for this, God. In Jesus' name, amen.